the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is brought to you by Cloud Roofing and River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people find the real life they were created for. That's according to John 10.10. Today we continue the study in the book of Philippians in the series Under Construction. Today's message is called You Cannot Have It All. Or the call we should have is to die to ourselves daily. And what does that mean? You can follow along with the notes to this message at the website reallife.org under the sermon's archive link. But let's get right into it. And this is Real Life Radio. We love to go through a book of the Bible. It's one of my favorite kinds of, of just teaching because we believe that this is an amazing, spiritual, God-breathed book. This is not just a collection of ancient writings. This is something powerful. And we have seen God work through His Word. And the Word is, is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. That's the description that one of the writers used to describe the Word of God. We don't think this is a contract. We don't think this is some sort of manual. We believe this is a correspondence from God to his people, and it is inspired by his spirit. And when we read it, the spirit works with our spirit and teaches us and raises us up. I do want to let you know about a neat resource, by the way, called uh, lifejournal.cc. If you haven't used that, if you're not on a Bible reading plan, what's nice about this is you can go online and do it, and you, you go to lifejournal.cc, and they've got a, uh, you can actually order a paper journal. It's kind of nice. It has some neat teaching tools and Bible study tools that are part of it, but you don't have to do that. You can go and just do it online and you click on it and it'll should give you the daily reading right there in your browser. Uh, the, go on your iPhone or other web browsing phone and you can do it there. They even have it on audio files so you can listen to the to the scripture for daily reading for the day. And if you do that, you'll be you'll go through the scriptures in a year. They've just done a real good job of making it very accessible. And I just want to encourage all of us to be doing something Outside of what we're doing here on weekends and what you're doing in your small groups, just you self, if I can use this phrase, self-feeding your spirit and your mind in the, in the Word of God. Self-feeding. And just be in the Word. It, uh, I, I promise you, you will not regret it, and God will speak to you through that. Now, let me give you... I, I, I'm not going to go back through what we did in introduction in the fall. If you want to, these are online. These teaching series uh, are online. I think it was in November when we started the under construction. But you can just go to the website and go sermons online, and you can go back and listen to some of these. Let me say, Philippi was a unique city. It was uh, in Macedonia, about 10 miles inland from the Aegean Sea. And it was a city that had gone through a number of different hands... And by the time of our writing, it was in Roman hands. And it was kind of unique the way that happened. That happened through a series of battles. And what the Romans did after they won those battles and they won Philippi, they allowed many of the the tenured soldiers and the officers to have land grants right there in Philippi. So they Romanized the city pretty quickly. They also gave Roman citizenship, which was a big deal. It was a great honor and privilege, Roman citizenship, to the whole city of Philippi. It became a leading city in the region. In fact... In uh, 
In Acts chapter 16, Luke describes Philippi as a Roman colony and a leading city in that district of Macedonia. Latin was a prominent language, and they were, they were kind of a big deal, and they knew it. And it's, this is who Paul is writing to. And the unique thing about Philippians is he's really not having to deal with a lot of big problems. Some of the letters in the New Testament, Paul's having to deal with some real craziness in the churches and some big things. Philippians isn't so much like that. There's one little kind of personality deal between a couple of ladies, and he says, hey, ladies, simmer down now. That's pretty much it, okay? He doesn't really say exactly that, but he says, you know, come on, get along. Can't we all just get along? He kind of gives them that little talk. The rest of the letter is just good building and encouragement. The book is kind of like a walking soundbite. Some of your favorite scriptures and some of those phrases you've heard from scriptures, I go, where is that? It's in the book of Philippians. There's just some great, powerful just passages of scripture all collected in this one letter. And Paul just shares his heart with this church. And he, he particularly loves this church. He himself was instrumental in planting this church. And so there's, he's really close to this. And this is a great book. The reason we called our series Under Construction is because Paul makes it real clear. God is doing a work in us. It's not just, hey, I received Jesus and now I'm done. No, 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 that's the beginning. God is building us, doing a work, and we are very literally, spiritually, under construction. And so we're going to pick up in chapter 3. If you want to hear more about chapters 1 and 2, go back and check out the teaching in the fall. There's six, six studies there that you can check out online. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, you know what it means when a preacher says finally, right? Not a dang thing. Doesn't mean anything. Nothing at all. Nothing. Okay? He's halfway through the letter and he's saying finally. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, that phrase is significant. He uses that phrase a lot in Philippians. And remember, where is Paul when he's writing this? This is about 62 AD, 60 to 62 AD. Where is he? He's in prison, probably in Rome, in prison. And in this book, he says, probably more than any other phrase, rejoice in the Lord. We'll talk about that a little more when we get to chapter 4, because he expounds a little bit more on it. But this theme of rejoicing, when he's in prison, when the people in Philippi, he's acknowledging they're beginning to have some some real headaches, and some adversity. He talked about adversity, and we talked about that in one of the teachings earlier, that adversity doesn't get the final word, and Paul made that very, very clear to them. He says, finally, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It's a safeguard for you. Safeguard against what? Well, verse 2, Paul starts, and he kind of takes off the gloves. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. I did not know there were zombies in the New Testament. I mean, this is what, I, that's, when I hear those phrases, those phrases, I'm like, oh my gosh. The mutilators of the flesh, yeah, I generally watch out for those. I'm, I'm very anti-mutilation. That's my stance and I'm sticking with it. This is loaded language, okay? You have to understand the concept. These, he's talking about Judaizers, okay? People who are going in behind the Christian church, behind the teachers, and saying, well, that's okay, and it's kind of a start, but to really be saved, to really get to know God, you must follow all the Jewish law and the Jewish teachings, including the law of circumcision, hence the phrase mutilators of the flesh. Circumcision was to Abraham's family and to the nation Israel, that mark of distinction, of separation unto God. But they're coming in and telling all these new Gentile believers who are coming to God in Christ, you have to go through all of this too. And, and Paul's, Paul had been adamant, no, that's not the case. It's not the case. And he uses the phrase, you dogs. Watch out for those dogs. And they're like, wow, that's pretty insulting. It, it, even more than we think, okay? He's not talking about some purebred poodle here, okay? No show dogs here. 
they are talking about these street dogs that would literally feed on carcasses that were considered despised and that the Judaizers, the religious Jews, would refer to all pagans as those pagan, those Gentile dogs. Very demeaning. And Paul, uh, Paul, as a Hebrew rabbi, a teacher, and a Christian, is throwing that phrase back at them. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. He says, for it is we who are the circumcision. Read there, we who are the set-apart. It is we who are the set-apart. We who worship by the Spirit of God. Remember what we talked about in John 4? Remember, those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. It is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus. He is our hope. He is our glory. And who put no confidence in the flesh. And he goes on to describe from this religious Jewish position that these Judaizers are advocating, he goes on a little tear here about how, wait a minute, it's not that he couldn't kind of go down that route. Here's what he says. Though I myself have reason for such confidence. If anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he lists off his kind of Hebrew resume. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. The Pharisees not only obeyed the law, they had all these rabbinical teachings called the Mishnah and different writings and conversations that had been codified on how to most purely follow the law. And the Pharisees were meticulous about it. And so he's saying, when it comes to the law, I wasn't just a good Jewish boy. I'm a Pharisee, and, and he was a Pharisee of distinction, by the way. And he says, as for zeal, persecuting the church. You remember when he was going by the name Saul, persecuting the church because they weren't pure enough in their Judaism? He himself, before Christ confronted him on the Damascus Road, was a persecutor of the Christians. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Now, that's a big phrase. But, when it, but he's talking about legalistic righteousness. As for as much as a human can legally, with, to use the, the biblical phrase that Jesus used, to, the, you know, every jot and tittle of the law, he followed it to the best of his ability. And then he says in verse 7, but whatever was to my prophet, this impressive Hebrew resume, whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What he's saying is I cannot trust in those things and Christ. I had to choose. And you are listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church, which meets every Sunday morning at the corner of Redland Road and Jones Malsparker, just inside Loop 1604. You can find details, directions, and service times at their website, reallife.org. And we'd like to take a moment to mention that today's program is made possible by Cloud Roofing and cloudroofing.com. If you'd like a free estimate on your roof for repair or replacement, their number is 210-366-9484. And please make sure you thank them for having Real Life Radio on the air. Now let's take a short break in this message called You Cannot Have It All with this study in the book of Philippians and tell you how River City Community Church has your kids in mind. 
Decisions about your child's education are some of the most important decisions that you as a parent will ever have to make. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and I'd like to introduce you to an exceptional new educational opportunity available here in San Antonio. We have recently partnered with Believers Academy to form the new River City Believers Academy, a school with a tradition of academic excellence and a vision to prepare students for real life. RCBA equips students with the academic tools to thrive in an ever-changing world, as well as the character and worldview to make the best use of those tools. Each child is unique, so our faculty is committed to using creative and innovative approaches in the classroom to engage different learning styles. River City Believers Academy is an affordable private Christian school dedicated to preparing your student to become a leader in his or her chosen field. We're accepting applications for the fall semester in all grades, from K through 12. For information, call 656-2999 or look us up on the web at BelieversAcademy.org. Welcome back, and we return to Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church for more of this sermon, which can be found in its entirety at reallife.org as a free download. And this is Real Life Radio. There are two pillars of distinction for a religious Jew. They are birthright and law. We are God's people because of Abraham. We are children of Abraham. We are his descendants, and therefore we are the chosen ones. We are in God by our birthright. And they could tell you what tribe they were from. They could tell you their Jewish heritage. And the second was the law, because we follow the law. We observe the law. Those were the two distinctions. And this whole Jesus thing really caused for some of those Jews who didn't see him as Messiah. And people who say Christianity is anti-Jewish, just FYI, just for your own personal edification, that's stupid, Okay. I'm trying to be gentle here. I had a, I have much worse words in mind. It's stupid because the whole first Christian church was Jews. They were all Jews. Okay, everybody in the church in Jerusalem, all the apostles, they were all Jewish. So anybody who says no, no, they were anti-Jewish, is really uninformed because they were all Jews. The whole first century, the, the first part of that first church was Jewish. The difference is they were Jews who looked at Jesus Christ and saw him as the promised Messiah. There was a division in Judaism. Some thought he was the promised Messiah. Others thought he wasn't. The ones who didn't really had a problem with this faith in Christ thing. And what about my birthright? What about my law? In fact, there's a great passage of scripture, Romans chapter 9. It's probably a really misunderstood chapter in my opinion. A lot of people look at that. If you just read Romans 9 by itself, okay, the thing that the, the controversy in Romans 9 is this idea of predestination. It seems to say that God arbitrarily chooses who's going to be saved and who's not. And that there's nothing we can do about it. Our choice doesn't matter. That's what Romans 9 seems to say. And if you just read Romans 9, it says, man, Jacob, I loved Esau. I hated. I hardened Pharaoh's heart. What right do you have? God can choose whenever he wants. So you read Romans 9 by itself and you go, wow, it really looks like it says that. The problem is you can't read Romans 9 by itself. You have to read it following Romans 1 through 8. It's one letter. It wasn't sent like installments. Okay. It's a letter. And in Romans 1 through 8, Paul hammers home. God does choose. He just chooses on a different basis than they had previously thought. He doesn't choose on the basis of birthright. He doesn't choose on the basis of law. He chooses on the basis of faith. He says it over and over. He even says of their father Abraham. Abraham believed and it was reckoned to him, credited to him as righteousness. And so Romans 9 comes along, Paul answers the obvious and growing agitation of his Jewish listeners who are saying, not fair. It's not fair. 
And what Paul points out is God can choose on whatever basis he wants. He's the creator. We're the creation. He's not saying God has no basis on which he chooses. Because Romans 1 through 8, he said it over and over and over and over and over again. It is on the basis of faith in him and faith alone that we are saved. But it was hard for these folks to let go of that because they had the corner. They had it and nobody else could have it. And now in Jesus, the whole lid's blown off the deal. and It changes everything and they didn't like that. And so Paul here is dealing with this once again. That's why these Judaizers were coming in after so it's not birthright and law. It's in Christ. And in verse 3, he lays that out. The real circumcision, the real separation, the, the, the sanctified, the ones who are set apart to God are we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. He goes on, and listen to this. What is more, I consider everything. Now, he just listed his resume, all this stuff. What is I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. And he's writing from jail. So he's literally lost all things. He is in jail for preaching Christ. For whose sake he has literally lost all things. Listen, he says, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, that word is a very strong word. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. It's a little bit of an odd word because it's a bit of a gross word. It's not just taking out the trash. I consider them trash to be thrown out. It's a, a, like, like dirty, filthy, infectious, used to talk about kind of half-decomposed corpses, piles of manure. I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a gross word. And Paul is saying, I consider them infectious garbage to be gotten rid of that I may gain Christ. All those things that I held dear, all those things that were the center of my life, they're rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own. Scripture says our righteousness is like what? Filthy rags that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. There it is, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. My belief when I trust Him. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Oh, this verse is so, each phrase, you could study this verse for months, for years, and never really get deep enough. That I may know Christ, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul brings up this idea that's kind of an uncomfortable thought in Christian circles. It's this idea of death. And it really, we, we talk about death. It's one of those things that's kind of hard to, hard to grapple with. It's not one of those things we don't like to put on the marquee sign. Okay, come hear about death today, you know. And we have nice children's ministry too, but also death. I mean, seriously, it's, it's just, you know, it's one of those things you, you hope doesn't come up at the, your first conversation with a friend when you're talking about your faith, okay? Let's take the death for like conversation three or four. Paul brings it up here and just lays it out. Now, now understand, the point of this is not the death. The point is the resurrected life, this new life in Christ, the power of Christ risen and living in me. That's the point. But here's what Paul is trying to get across. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You can't resurrect what hasn't died. You can't resurrect what hasn't died. The road to resurrection always passes through a tomb. No exceptions. 
Life in the Spirit begins with a death in the flesh. And let me explain that. Jesus Christ said this to followers. By the way, Jesus had a great way of thinning a crowd. He did, seriously. I mean, he had thousands, feed thousands for lunch, multiple times, multiple, you know, multitudes. That's where we even use the word multitude, you know. That's a great word. That means lots and lots of people. Jesus fed multitudes and preached to thousands and on, on the, his triumphal entry, there are thousands worshiping and praising as he goes into Jerusalem. Who's left after his crucifixion? 120 believers. And statements like this, when they really dawned on people that could thin the crowd, Luke 9, 23, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Not only take up his cross, but daily. I wish that word wasn't in there. I wish I could do that once and for all. Take up his cross daily. If anyone come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And by the way, he's not talking James Avery. I mean, for us, the cross is a decoration. We wear it. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. First century Christians would look at this and think we're nuts. This was an instrument of torture and destruction. The cross killed everything it touched. The cross always won. It was not a game. So when Jesus said you must take up your cross daily and follow me, it's like, oh, my gosh. That's a little morbid, don't you think? And a lot of people left because of that idea. Paul expounds and kind of breaks this down theologically for us a little bit in his letter to the Colossians, beginning in chapter 3, verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. There's a key. There is an old life, there is a new life. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rape, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Listen, here's a key phrase. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. He said it elsewhere in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. For the new to come, the old has to pass away. You can't resurrect what hasn't died. See, here's the principle. We are people made of two natures. Now, you need to decide if you believe this. This is a foundation to our whole Spiritual understanding. We believe there is a physical realm and we believe there is a spiritual realm. We believe we are physical beings created by God. We also believe we are spiritual beings and that that spiritual person in us is as real and literal as the physical person is. It is just spiritual. And we believe that because of sin, because of the sin nature, because mankind chose sin, we believe that that spirit, when we are born, is dead in sin. And that when we put our faith in Christ and his perfect sacrifice on the cross, the penalty for our sin is paid. We enter into relationship with God and our spirit literally, literally is brought to life. There's something that transforms in us. It's not just, well, I had an old set of rules and I was following my old kind of worldly rules and now I like the Jesus rules better, so I'll follow the Jesus rules. That's not it. There is, it's called regeneration. Our spirit is literally brought to life. And now there are two natures that are alive and active. There is a 
spirit nature that wants to follow Jesus, that listens to the voice of God, that communes with God's spirit. And then there is a carnal nature, flesh nature, that kind of still has all the same old stuff that it wants to do. My spirit is alive, but there's this tug of war that begins to happen. And anybody who honestly evaluates kind of our decision-making as followers of Jesus knows there's, there's flesh and there's spirit. And they are at, Galatians 5 describes they're at war with one another. What's good for one is bad for the other. So that's the idea. After Christ, the spirit is alive, but the crucifixion of the flesh begins. That's what Jesus is talking about. Paul understands this, and he unpacks this for us a little bit. Let me real quickly, wow, I do have to do some fast preaching. I'm halfway through, and I've got like six minutes, okay. Uh, (laughs) Paul unpacks it for us, and these are very helpful understandings in this idea of death, so I don't want you to miss this. Write these down. Number one, death to self means I must put my confidence, means I put my confidence in a new place. Used to put my confidence in my own nature. Now, we don't do the, okay, we don't necessarily do the birthright thing or the law thing quite as much, okay? We do a little bit of that. We might say, well, you know, I'm going to get into heaven because I'm, you know, Catholic, I'm Methodist, I'm Presbyterian, whatever you want to say your background deal. Some of us might say that's it. Most of us, it's probably in American culture, just in the general thinking, a lot of people go to this, well, I'm better than so-and-so, or I'm good, I'm, gonna, I'm a good person, so God's going to let me in. That's a really prevalent idea. And the way to guarantee it, we kind of think God grades on a curve or something. So I just hang around with real losers and I'm better. Right? I mean, it's pretty simple. As long as I'm better than them, because God's graded on a curve, so I'm, I'm kind of not that bad, so I'm going to get in. That's kind of how we do it. And what, what's funny is, as much as the Judaizers were trying to say, here, no, no, here's the standard where we're going to be good enough and you have to be good enough, we're doing it. We're just lowering the bar a lot. We're just doing it on curve. We're still saying we're going to make up a righteousness of our own. And it doesn't work that way. We're still putting our confidence in ourselves. Paul says you can't do it. You can't put your confidence in yourself. You've been listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, where you're more than welcome to come visit. The church is located at the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Redland Road, just inside Loop 1604, with Sunday morning service times of 8, 9.30, and 11.15. And there's also a campus in New Braunfels that meets at 10.30. All the details and directions are at the website reallife.org. And if you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and made possible by Cloud Roofing and cloudroofing.com. And we hope you join us next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.